Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Off to fishing camp we go. Doug Oster is standing by on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. And listen, right now, hopefully you're standing by. When I say ready, set, go, be the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, and you're going to win a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. But if you have a gardening question for Doug, hey, the early bird gets the worm, speaking of fishing. So make sure that you call us now at 866-391-1020. Doug, uh, happy fishing. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? And happy Mother's Day to everybody. Enjoy your special day. If you're giving mom a plant, be sure to uh, plant it for her, too. <laughs> I get a lot of questions uh, after Mother's Day. Can my hydrangea go in? How do I put it in? How do I do this? So help mom out. And in celebration of Mother's Day, we are giving away a free petite knockout rose. This is from uh, our friends at Star Roses. This is the first miniature knockout rose, and it's a long bloomer. I have flowers on it most of the season, and it only gets 18 inches tall, so it's perfect for containers. If you would like to win this rose on Mother's Day, I'm going to hold a random drawing. All you have to do is go to DougOster.com, hit the contact button, and type in Petite Knockout. Or something like that. You'll get entered, and then I'll pull a winner, and they will send you the petite knockout rose, cool little rose. And I uh, had a message this morning from my friend Michael in Greensburg who said, I have to confess, I put some zinnias in. <laughs> I know I might lose them, but I had to I had to get them in. And so I'm seeing a lot of that, so getting a lot of questions about that. When to plant? Is it okay? You know, if you want to experiment and you want to have some fun and throw a few things in, but just know that, it's a, you know, yeah, looking at the at the long-range forecast, it looks good, but, you know, 42 is not going to kill a plant, but it's not going to make it happy either that loves warm weather. So, if you like I said, you want to experiment a little bit, throw a plant in here or there, just know that there's, there's always a possibility we could get a frost, you know, as late as the end of the month. So have some fun with it. Uh, I am uh, trying some new tomatoes this year. Uh, I was at uh, Drew Matheson Greenhouse, uh, Bidwell Training Center, and they had a, a, a series that I'd never seen before called Heirloom Marriage. And so it, it's just they're crossing two famous heirlooms to make a new hybrid, basically. And I'm interested because One's called Genuine Tomato, Genuine Tomato, I guess you would call it. It's a cross between Castello Uto, Castello Uto Genovese. I know I'm butchering that name. 
and Brandywine. So, you know, Brandywine is, is a real famous late beefsteak tomato, and they're crossing it with this other one. And then the other one's called Big Brandy. It's Brandywine and Big Dwarf. And so that's going to be interesting. Try something new. Some of my favorites that I'm planting every year, of course, are Sun Gold. You know, uh, my wife loves that. It's a little orange. It is susceptible to splitting, but I don't mind. Uh, there's one called Sun Sugar that's sweeter, but it doesn't uh, doesn't split. I prefer the flavor of Sun Gold, but everybody's different. And, of course, my Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top Tomato. I have to put those in every year. I'll be giving those away on June 5th at Sorgles, 11 a.m. for the plant swap, but we can talk about that as we get going here, get closer. And there's one uh, I haven't grown for a long time, but I'm going to grow again this year called Eva Purple Ball. It's about the size of a tennis ball, and it's pink and super tasty, and it's ready when it falls off the vine. I also have some seeds from a Croatian tomato. Uh, that I found in Croatia. So I'm going to see what that, if it's going to grow true and, and be the same thing. Uh, later on, Mrs. Know-It-All has some new plants to tell us about, so I'm very interested to hear that. And my uh, virtual organic gardening classes continue every Thursday. We've got two more classes left, but there was a, it's going to be a total of 10. You can watch them anytime. It follows uh, the Everything from seed starting all the way through until next week when we uh, we finally plant our warm weather crops. But this week I'm going to be talking all about creating a garden for pollinators. You know that's a big thing for me. Uh, I, if you attract the pollinators, they are going to help you garden, and that's the truth. And so we'll talk all about that. It's Thursday, five o'clock. All you need is a computer, and you register at dougoster.com. When I do plant those tomatoes, though, uh, I'm going to work hard at growing what I hope are disease-free tomatoes. You know, I talk about this a lot. might have touched on it last week, but I just I want to reiterate what I'm doing to try to avoid uh, the, the blight in tomatoes. And so what happens is early in the season, especially when you're planting early, you know, I know there are some of my friends that are putting in a few tomato plants this early, under protection, warming up the soil. I'm doing this crazy stuff, too. This is not for the full crop. The full crop for mine first doesn't go until May 20th at the earliest, and I will be looking at the weather as we get there. There's no sense in rushing tomatoes in. Uh, you know, you know, you're trying to get the first tomato of the year. I know. I, I get it. But they're just happier when it's warm. But anyway, when I plant, and this will be my main crop, like I said, about about the 20th, Right away, you know, the good soil. you got to have, you know, compost in there, putting the plant in. You're mulching right away. And I know that that's counterintuitive to the warm-up, but it's better because it stops those fungal spores from splashing up onto the plant. Uh, and so I'm also removing bottom leaves on the tomato so there's more distance between those uh, fungal spores and the plant. You know, early in the season, we get these cold nights, uh, it rains all night, the fungal spores get into the plant system, but they don't manifest themselves till later in the season. And we see the, 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 the tomato plant from the bottom start to turn yellow and brown and work its way up. That's what's happening. Those fungal spores are getting in there. And so 
mulching, uh, and then also growing lots of different types of tomatoes. Every tomato reacts differently. You know, I'm growing probably 20 different varieties. One reason is I just I love growing all the different stuff, but also because some just won't get the blight. And then the, the big thing is this succession planting, which I talk about all the time, which means, yes, planting on May 20th, but then also leaving room and planting later in the season. And the later that I go into the season, I'm picking a tomato that puts on a tomato earlier. I mentioned that sun gold. That one puts on tomatoes in 47 days from transplant. So that one will be planted as late as 4th of July, believe it or not. I know that seems crazy, but an early tomato can go in the ground at the end of June, early July, and still put on tomatoes by the end of the season. When you plant them later, they love the warm soil, they love the warm air temperatures, and they will thrive and they'll catch up and they will not have fungal issues. All right, Rob, you ready for a break, buddy? Yeah, let's take a break. And again, if you have a question for Doug, now would be a good time to call 866-391-1020. All right, we are back. Doug Oster. Rob Pratt, Sunday morning. Let's get to the phones. And again, if you have a question for Doug, now would be a perfect time to give us a call. 866-391-1020. Mary, you're on KDKA. Good morning. Hello, Mary. How are you? Mary? Mary. There's no Mary. All right, Doug, let's talk about Scott. Can potato plants, he sent you a question at DougOster.com, be covered with insect netting? Go ahead. Yeah, that was an interesting question. So, yeah, Scott was wondering, can I, you know, cover those potato plants with some type of, of netting to stop the bugs? And I was thinking about it. I was like, well, the thinking about pollinating the uh, the flowers. And I said, well, no, you could do that until the, the, the flowers need pollinated. And then I thought for a minute, wait a minute, it doesn't make any difference if the flowers are pollinated uh, to get p- potatoes. So I actually wrote him back. I said, wait a minute. That's not right. Uh, you could, yeah, you could just to keep the potato, uh, Colorado potato beetle off the plant. Uh, yeah, you could cover it with, uh, we use something called floating row cover. It's the same thing I use actually for planting early crops. It's just a spun bound translucent fabric that uh, is so lightweight, the plants can hold it up themselves. You just put that over like, oh, anything from the cabbage family, potatoes, uh you know, the, the cabbage, for the cabbage, it stops the cabbage looper butterfly from, from finding its way to the plant. But for the, you know, potatoes, it would be the Colorado potato beetle that you'd be stopping. Uh, and then, I, of course, I got a question from Julia. When can I cut the woody parts of a hydrangea back to the ground? And this is, like, the number one question. And when you see that hydrangea right now and it looks kind of stick-like, you have to wait. You have to wait to see what comes out of there. You might be cutting off the blooms. Uh, we, we talk a lot about this where, you know, there's a certain type of hydrangea that puts on its buds the year before. And so those buds stay on there right after they get done blooming and they're on the plant. And then if you were to trim it back, and this happens all the time because they look awful, uh, you're going to r- remove your blooms and you don't want to do that. Uh, there are lots of other hydrangeas out there that have uh, more reliable bloomers. You know, I'm growing lots of different ones. There's one I just, I love, it's called White Dome. And it's not pink and it's not blue, 
but it's beautiful white, which is good for me. And it's a great, great pollinator plant. So it just brings in all the, the good bugs. So you have to know what you're doing when it comes to hydrangea. You're always better off to to wait and see what happens. See if you get those flowers. Mary wants uh, to know if she can plant beans now. So what's the deal on that? Well, you know, you might be able to get away with it. But as I said at the top of the show, you're you're risking it a little bit, you know. You you figure you figure by the time they sprout it should be warm enough. You know, if it was me, I'm not planting my beans at least for another week. And that's again, that's just me. People are are trying this. They they're 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 they always want to get in a little early. Um and you might be able to get away with it, but it, when you've been doing this for a long time, it, it, it's better not to worry and just know, okay, when I put these beans in on the 15th of May, I, I pretty much know we're going to be good. We're going to be frost-free by the time they come up. And so uh, I'm always waiting. Uh, that's just me. Uh, but, you know, remember there's all these other cool weather crops that can go in now, no problem. Your lettuce, your Swiss chard, radishes, carrots, other greens, arugula, all sorts of things. You know, they will just love this weather and put those in and wait on the the warm things. Hey, Jerry wants to know, when's your annual uh, plant swap? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Jerry. I just, um, I just mentioned that. And so it's the 19th annual, believe it or not. And we didn't do it for a couple of years because of COVID. But the 19th annual plant swap and giveaway and garden hullabaloo. On Sunday, June 5th, 11 a.m. Uh, at uh, Sorgles, and I'm going to be giving away two of my favorite tomatoes. Uh, and one is the one I talked about already, Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top Tomato. It it grows this big, ugly, thin-skinned, meaty, pink, wonderful tomato. And then the other tomato is the 3945. That's the one named for the years of World War II, where a Pittsburgher was in the war and stumbled onto a field of tomatoes, somehow stuck some seeds in his pocket and got him back to Pittsburgh and grew that tomato out for 70 years. And I heard about the story, and, and on both these tomatoes, the thing is what I want you to do is I want you to grow it out, and I've got instructions when you get them, grow it out, save the seeds, it's really easy to do, and then send them back to me. That's how we've kept potato top. Uh, or the Limbaugh Legacy Potato Top Tomato going for, well, since 2000, we've been giving those seeds away. And then uh, 3945 has become another popular one where people want to grow it, save the seeds, and send it back. And we perpetuate these two wonderful Pittsburgh heirlooms. And uh, the other thing we do at the plant swap is trade plants. (laughs) That's the fun part, too. You know, lots of people from all over come and bring perennials and annuals and vegetables and we just swap plants you have to be there at 11 a.m <laughs> because it is absolutely crazy and people will do their their trading and such uh, one more thing i wanted to mention uh, when we're talking about pruning uh, hydrangeas i get questions uh, on lilacs and other early bloomers and so since the lilacs are are either just about to bloom or blooming now. If they, if those trees get into a, a cycle of blooming like every other year or every other year, really good, 
as soon as they're done blooming, just give them a little haircut, uh, and that'll and and maybe a little bit of flower tone, and then that will make them put on the buds for the next year. Because again, lilacs are one of those things that put on buds a year before, and so we want to want to make that plant put on more buds, and so that's how we trim them back. All right, Rob. All right, what we're going to do is uh, get a call in here real quick, and we want to remind you if you want to join us uh, today, 866-391-1020. Mary Ann, good morning. You're on KDKA. Hello? Hi, Mary Ann. Go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, Doug, I had two things. One, serenade, do you use that like as a preventative, or do you wait till a plant gets a disease to spray that? Well, that's an organic fungicide, and that is something that we use on the plant in advance, you you okay. can use it. You can use it on the plant when you have the disease, but it's always better if you know something's going to get a fungal issue. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Spray that first. Although they stopped making Serenade, and now the organic control is called Natria. But Natria can be lots of things. You have to look at it really carefully to be sure you're getting the the right thing. That organic fungicide. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, also, I was wondering, ha- have you heard of Nomo May? Maybe you've mentioned that. Uh, no, what, what is well, that? I heard it on two shows yesterday where um, it started in England, if I'm not mistaken, and then went to uh, somebody in Wisconsin, picked it up, and now they're doing it in State College. It's where um, people aren't mowing their yard in May to allow the little oh, flowers yeah, to yeah, come yeah. out. Yeah. That's a Great idea for the pollinators. And I know, like, some places have ordinances, so, like, if the town decides it's okay, then they have little signs you can put up to explain why your lawn is getting tall, you know, just for that month. Hmm, good stuff. So no mo may. We appreciate it. Say that ten times fast. All right, we'll get back to fishing camp with Doug. He is on the road and on the disc at 2 to Pittsburgh Newsline. Special day at the farm, everything for mom. So, hey, if you'd like to win a $25 gift certificate to that farm that is Janowski's in Clinton, be the uh, 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020. 10th caller wins a $25 gift certificate from Janowski's in Clinton. The organic gardener, Doug Oster, is on the road. He's at fishing camp, and he is joining us on the disc. It's 2 to Pittsburgh Newsline. Let's say hi to Paul. You're on KDKA. Hey, Paul, how are you? Good morning. Hey, Goran, Doug, uh, I think you already hit on my question. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, how you uh, trim a lilac bush. Right. And uh, those little shoots that come up around it, can you just pull them up and transplant them? Yeah, that's one way to do it. You know, one of the things that we do with lilacs is as they get older, we take out some of that uh, bigger kind of, you know, dying wood and let the little ones take over. It's called rejuvenative pruning. Uh, but, yeah, you can move some of those little ones if you'd like to transplant them. Uh, this would actually be a good time of the year to do that this time or in, in the fall. Are yours blooming good? Uh, yeah, they're just about over now. But they're blooming every year for you? Yes, they are. Oh, you're in good shape then. Okay. Thanks very much for your call. And let's say hi to uh, Dawn. Hey, Dawn, you're on KDK. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, I have a question about uh, the rain and wind knocked all my uh, tulips uh, uh, petals off. I know I need to leave the leaves so the energy gets back to the bulb, but can I cut the stem where the 
the tulip petals is on? Yeah, that's actually a great idea uh, because we don't want the bulb to put its energy into making seeds. That's what that is. So exactly, you leave the foliage, but you can cut that stem. And, you know, tulips in general, they aren't as perennial as they used to be. And so you might see after three or four years, they start to degrade and don't bloom as well. If that's the case, just continue to plant tulips there. But by cutting that off, you'll hopefully get uh, more energy into that bulb and you'll get your, your blooms again next year. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, some other things to talk about. Ed from Ohio simply sent you a uh, note at uh, DougOster.com about harvesting garlic. What can you tell us, Doug? Oh, yeah, definitely. Too early uh, to, to do that. Uh, I get this question a lot this time of the year. Well, most of what we're growing are what we call hardneck varieties, and so the, we've been harvesting already, but only harvesting the top, just sparingly harvesting the, the garlic greens, which is just absolutely wonderful. But the next thing that's going to happen, it's called a scape, S-C-A-P-E, and it's basically it's the seed head. And it's kind of funny because it, it parallels what we just talked about with the tulips. It comes up and kind of spins on the top. And eat. Now, again, you remove that so that all the energy goes down into the bulb. But those scapes are a delicacy. They're absolutely wonderful. What's cool about them is first, you can put them on the grill. You, can, I make pesto out of them. I use that as my green ingredient. I, just, I don't even use a recipe. I just put scapes in the food processor with a good olive oil, a hard cheese, and I use uh, roasted hazelnuts, but you could use pine nuts or any kind of nuts you want. Uh, and it's just to die for it. It's, it's, you know, scapes are one of the few seasonal ingredients left where, you know, you can get strawberries any any month of the year, but scapes only come in. You only see them either from home gardeners or, uh, you know, big-time garlic growers like a, a Janoski's or someplace like that where they'll have them in the farm market. And the other thing that's cool is if you leave some of those off the plant, just leave them in the garden. They have enough energy in the stalk to make these seeds, you know, even though they're disconnected from the plant and they make little bulbells. They're just they're little clones of the bulb underneath and they're little and they have a little papery sheath on them so they're hard to use in the kitchen, but they're fun just to eat raw out in the garden. And then our big harvest of the bulbs isn't until usually about July 4th, July, when 50% of the greens on the garlic have turned brown. And then it's time to pull them. It's that simple, right? <laughs> it's that easy, Rob. I bet. So let's talk fishing. What are you actually fishing for? Uh, fishing for largemouth bass. Caught uh, a lot of fish out here. We, you know, once a year I come with one of my friends. Actually, he's got a funny story about his garden. He has a great garden and, uh, we couldn't figure out what was eating all his uh, beet transplants just when they were little. And he's got a fenced-in garden. I mean, it's fenced-in good. I don't know what was getting him, but he actually built a cage out of uh, something called hardware cloth. It's just a screen you get at the hardware store, kind of a thick screening. And, and that's what saved his, his small beets from uh, being chopped to the ground. Uh, so just like me, I've got a fence garden but they all, something always gets in and uh, I'm fencing my beds that are in the fenced in garden sometimes you have to 
do that. And I did get a question actually about uh, growing Brussels sprouts. Uh, and so, you know, things like Brussels sprouts, those can be in the ground right now. Uh, they love cool weather. They're a long season crop. If you do buy a Brussels sprout plant, uh, look for one that, that uh, is, is quick early in the season. You know, sometimes it can go 100 days. Uh, uh, but the, the payoff is just amazing at the end of the season. But the, the question was cabbage worms. And that is the problem with, with anything from that family, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, broccoli, kale. The best thing to do is, is, is again, we're going back to our floating row cover, um, covering that plant with a floating row cover so that the uh, butterfly can't lay its eggs on there, and now we've stopped our cabbage worm. If you don't cover it that day and you, and you have cabbage worms, the other thing we use is something called Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. Uh, and the active ingredient is spinosa. It can't hurt us. It can't hurt the good bugs. And that's what we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to get to that worm without disrupting the whole cycle of nature. And so the spinosa, the pest has to ingest it, so it's good for cabbage worms, anything it chews. And when it ingests it, then it affects the, the pest nervous system and it stops feeding. And so it's an, an organic way to deal with the uh, the, those cabbage worms, and that's actually how I went organic. And I've told the story a hundred times here. It's just that I didn't know what to do about cabbage worms. I had uh, called a friend, said get this stuff called Seven, and I did, and I sprinkled it on there. And that day, my son, who's thirty-five, was a toddler walking barefoot through that stuff. That was my epiphany. That's how it happens a lot of times. You have an epiphany about changing the way you garden, and it's usually, you know, something like kids or grandkids, and I didn't know any better at the time. I was just gardening, uh, you know, how my grandparents and parents gardened, and I wanted to do it differently, and I thought I would explore this newfangled thing called organic gardening, but it wasn't new at all. I went to the library and just researched it like crazy, and everybody was an organic gardener before World War II because the products weren't there. That made me feel a lot better about making the transition, and then when I did make the transition, uh, I'm so happy to have a, a, a safe, you know, a safe garden. Uh, well, oh, one more thing I, I want to tell you too: um, the petite knockout roses. I'm getting a lot of lawn trees. If you'd like to win a free petite knockout rose, uh, it's the first miniature knockout version, first miniature version of a knockout rose, long bloomer, only gets 18 inches tall, great for containers. We're going to hold a random drawing. So just go to dougoster.com, click the contact button, type in this, Petite Knockout. And you'll be entered into a random drawing, and my friends from Star Roses will send the winner a new plant. What do you think about that, Rob, for uh, Mother's Day? That uh, sounds good. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Mrs. Know-It-All, still to come. Here we go. It's that time to welcome her back to KDKA. Doug. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All, that's horticulturist Denise Schreiber. And Denise, before we get into the new plant, any uh, feelings about wanting to start early? I'm getting lots of people who want to plant a little earlier, earlier than they should, and I know we've talked about this before. Well, you know, the ground is still so cold, and it's so wet. You know, you're going to need probably four or five days to dry out. Now, you can plant cool season crops like beets and radishes and peas, that sort of thing. 
you know, tomatoes, I'd still wait another week, um, unless you're planting, of course, in a container. And then I think you would be okay. I hope, I think, for past frost. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I'm done. <laughs> and you might be able to do that. I'd still wait a week. Go buy your plants, transplant them, harden them off, but don't put them in the ground yet. Good advice, as always. So what kind of cool new stuff do you want to talk about? Well, you know, you know, my idea of a vacation is going to garden centers and, and gardens. <laughs> so um, some people have seen the back of my uh, vehicle loaded with plants. So I picked up some new ones this year. I got one. It's called Garvinia. It's a Gerbera daisy. And uh, there's a couple of them, Sweet Caroline and Sweet Memories. And these are bigger plants and they can produce up to a hundred or more blossoms a season. And so, you know, and the, the flowers are big. If you would put your um, two hands together, some of those flowers are going to be that big. If you kind of put your thumbs and index fingers together. So is, it's is, really is there, a beautiful flower. Is there any trick to growing Gerber daisies? I buy them. They're white fly heaven. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. They, they, that's the problem uh, with them that you don't have a whole lot of greenhouses that grow them because of that problem. They get they attract white flies. That's a greenhouse issue. So I buy them. It's easier. You know, there's just some things you do that make it easier on your life. And then um, growing them, growing them out is easy. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I I can't speak whether they're deer proof or not because. You know, my place is pretty well fenced, so, mm-hmm. you know, i got to worry more about the groundhog than anything, and the dog takes care of him. Uh, <laughs> what, you know, what else is on your list? Okay, so there's Suncredible, that new sunflower. And what's great about this one is it actually keeps, it's what they call either continuous bloom or a rebloomer. And so the flowers are about four inches across, kind of looks like the rings of Saturn. And, you know, it's about three, about three foot tall, give or take. It's not one of the real tall ones. It's a great cut flower, but it doesn't really need deadheaded all the time like you do with other wow. sunflowers that are bushy. So that, that's a great one. Obviously, the petite knockout rose, I got one of those last year, and it survived the winter quite well in my garden. I was surprised because it was in a pretty windy place. But it's still growing strong, and it's starting to put on buds now. And then I had, uh, I just ordered this one. It's Agasaki Anis Hyssop. And this one's called Morello. And the blooms are taller, and they're fatter. And Agasaki is a really good pollinator plant. Bees, hummingbirds, you know, the little flies, anybody that can get in there, they love it. And it'll bloom longer during the season rather than just kind of as a one-shot deal. And I, I just love it. And then I got a, um, oh, it's a dragon wing begonia. This one's called dragon wing red. And what I like about dragon wings is you can put it in a container all by itself. And it just will overflow with flowers. And it'll kind of almost cascade a bit. So that's why, you know, I, I like the dragon wings. And then here's one that people aren't real familiar with. It's called Lothos. It, the real name is Lothos firmum, which is a mouthful. But it's love in a puff. 
and it's kind of a viney plant, uh, and it produces these little uh, red or pink flowers, and it kind of looks like, you know, a puff. And so you can cut it, and it'll branch even more, and it'll just, like, go all over the place. It is, you can tie it up to vine. I put mine in a hanging basket, uh, and that way it can just kind of cascade over the edge. And then I got a new euphorbia, you know, the spurge that they've been selling the past few years, the tiny little green leaves and the white flowers. This one is called uh, Stardust White Sparkle, and it's covered in flowers. You know, a lot of them are more open, but this one's just covered in flowers. So, you know, this is pretty deer proof. You can put it in the garden. I have mine i have this special little container that i like to plan every year and so it's going in there and then you know one of the other ones is um the uh coleus you know the sun coleus and this one's called color blaze and it's just like burning embers is the best way to describe it that it just the plants the leaves are so huge and the color is just deep. You know, a lot of the uh, sun coleus, the colors will fade or they'll start to revert a little bit. This hasn't. And it's just, it's just a wonderful plant. Again, you can use it as a border plant or in a container. All right. Great stuff, Mrs. Know-it-all. As always, a pleasure having you on the air. Doug, you know what to do. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. 